We were looking at 1 John 1 and what it means to walk in fellowship with God. The first question that we posed was what was koinonia? And we looked at um, seven different verses. I think one of the best ways to understand the definition of a word is to look at the other places of where it is in Scripture. And just to glean from it whatever you can when you look at where it is in Scripture. The same Greek word and how it's used and what it means. So we looked at seven different places where the Greek word koinonia is used. Okay, And I'll just give you the, three, the seven blanks real fast. The first one is partners. The second one is in or out, like distinct. It's in or out. The third one is it can be with a person or it is with somebody. The fourth one is that it's not a work, meaning like it's not works. It's like grace. God does it. God sustains it. The fifth blank told us that it was an activity of the Holy Spirit. The sixth is that it's a very unifying thing. And the last is that it generally or can involve suffering also. That was helping us to define what was koinonia. Practicing koinonia, I refer to two books that I would highly encourage you to get and read. They're not long books. Practicing the Presence of God or the Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence and Letters by a Modern Mystic by Frank Laubach. Okay, I would very, very, very much encourage you to read these books. They are outstanding when it comes to walking in fellowship with God. The first part we talked about was the mind's eye. The first blank is he's there, always remembering that you are never alone. We talked about how odd it is that we, in our heads, talk to ourselves, or talk, we, we talk to ourselves, and God is actually sitting right there thinking we're a crazy person, thinking, why do you talk to yourself? I'm right here. But we do it all the time, just in our own heads, talking to ourselves. The second line is meditate on the Word. Continually putting the Word back into your mind. How important it is what's going on in your mind. The third blank is use a God filter. Which basically was communicating, you can't just take anything in. You need to watch the TV shows that you watch. Watch the music that you listen to. You need to understand that you can't just bring anything in to your mind or into your, into your, into your mind. You've got to control what's in your mind. And then the fourth thing is inputs, which just emphasize the importance of positive inputs. Bringing good things into your mind consistently. Music into your mind. Sermons into your mind. Having people, conversations with people in your mind. Reading books. Putting the right things in your mind. Inputs. And then we talked a little bit about interacting. And I just went through reading, studying, thinking, dreaming, and listening with God. Like you're interacting with Him. Doing secular things. The first thing was every breath. That was to remind us how important it is that every breath we breathe be an inhaling of God's Spirit, okay? An exhaling of our own selves. Kind of this idea that um, everything that we do, God is there with us. The second blank was about love and how that works out in our lives as we are doing secular things, as we're doing things that, you know, fixing a bike or 
you know, making a pizza or working somewhere at our job, okay, the way that walking with God shows itself is by the love that we give to what we're doing because of it loving other people. And then, of course, the last blank was having the right perspective. Remembering that in God's economy, um, the importance of the soul and how that is the thing that God is most concerned about. Practical ideas. I went through and gave you guys five practical ideas of just some ideas of some fun things that you could do to help yourself to walk in fellowship more intimately with God. The first blank was Game of Minutes. And I talked about something that's in the uh, Frank Laubach book where he tried to once every 60 seconds to think of God. So once every minute he wanted to think of God. So he tried to develop a habit in his life to go through an entire day where once every minute he would think of God. Okay? And you can kind of keep track of how you're doing. You'll know, you know, gosh, in the past hour I probably thought of God, you know, ten different times. Or, you know, I had a streak there about ten minutes in a row where I thought of God every minute. Or whatever. You can kind of keep track of how you're doing with that. Another practical idea was one-phrase prayers. One-phrase prayers were just, uh, Jesus, you are king. Lord, I love you. Whatever the little one phrase is, and you consistently say it all the time. You're saying it to yourself all the time, so much so that it becomes a little habit that's something you say to yourself. When you're walking down the street, or you're getting out of the shower, or you're brushing your teeth, and all of a sudden you find yourself saying, you know, Lord, I love you, Lord, I love you, and it's just naturally coming. It's a one phrase prayer that you say so often that you begin to habitually say it all the time. Key moment prayers. That was number three. That was having things that you are praying for people at key moments. So like if you're, you could pray every time you eat something. Or every time, you know, uh, you hear the phone ring before you answer it, you pray for the person who's calling. Key moment type prayers. Number four, first thought, last thought. That was the challenge of having the first thought that you think when you wake up in the morning and the last thought that you think as you doze off to bed at night. First thought being of Jesus, the last thought as you doze off at night being of Jesus. Best friend counselor was the fifth thing. Remembering or trying to, the challenge was this, the next time something hard happens in your life, that you don't go to anybody else. That Jesus is your best friend, or you claim it so, and you go only to Jesus. Not the typical thing that we do in this world, which is run off and find our best friend and call him and tell him, oh my gosh, my boyfriend just broke up with me, my life is horrible, I can't believe it. Instead, you go to Jesus only. Again, this is not being against going to people, not saying that's bad. It was a challenge to say, Jesus is your best friend, let's see if you can treat him that way. And actually go to him and him alone with something that's troubling in your life. Those were five different things. There are lots of other ideas. Okay? Meditating on scripture, we talked about that a little bit. Praying, singing songs, okay? I mean, you guys gotta understand something about like the Christian life. And I've kind of thought about this since then. It is so important that you guys understand this. This is not like a small kind of thing or something that is like, oh yeah, this is part of the Christian life. 
hear what I'm saying. This is the Christian life. You say you walk with Jesus, but you don't have fellowship with God. The Bible says you're a liar and you don't know Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have to understand and know this idea of walking with God. This has to be your life. If it is not, you're not a Christ follower. This is incredibly, incredibly important. I've been convicted over my lack of teaching to high school people this principle. Thinking, what have I been thinking all these years that I haven't emphasized this more? The importance of walking moment by moment with Jesus because this is the Christian life. Why do you memorize verses? Why do you pray prayers? You do those things to meditate, to walk in the Spirit. That's the point. You memorize a verse so that you can walk in the Spirit. If you just memorize a verse to check a box, you just memorize a verse to check a box and it means nothing. If you put a verse in your mind in order to walk with Jesus, to walk in the Spirit, then you're using it the way God intended it. That's why He uses the word meditation instead of the word memorize in the Bible. This is so incredibly important that we practice daily and make of the greatest priority in our lives walking in the Spirit, walking in fellowship with God. You've got... This is... This is it. This is, the, this is how we operate. You want to know God's will in your life? Walk in the Spirit. You want to know who you should marry? Walk in the Spirit. You want to know what God has planned for you? Walk in the Spirit. You want to have peace and joy in your life? Walk in the Spirit. You want to... You guys get it? This is it. If you stink... If I've been talking about this or I go through this quickly or last time I talked about this and I talked about this and you stink at this... I hope that convicts you that maybe you stink at being Christian. Okay? I mean, that's it. This is it. This is what it means. You say you love Jesus? You say you walk with Jesus? Do you really? Walk with Jesus. You guys get what I'm saying? That there's no... you, You can't say, I walk with Jesus, and then don't do this. Don't walk with Jesus, because then you're a liar. And you're not walking with Jesus. So, this is well worth us giving every effort, every day, to. Perseverance. It's going to be tough at first. It is incredibly tough at first. If you try some of these practical ideas, and how many of you guys tried any of the practical ideas that I talked about a couple weeks ago? Just any of them. Okay, some of you guys tried some of those. Okay, I guarantee you that it was tough at times, and at times you felt like, man, I am failing miserably at this. I'm going to try the game. Try the game a minute. That one, that'll kill you. You'll be like, oh my gosh, it's been four hours. Just missed 240 minutes, or, or whatever that would be. You know, however, man, I just missed all those minutes. You know, I forgot to pray about God. It's going to be tough at first. I prom- I'm just telling you right now. But here's the great thing. I'm telling you, it will be tough at first. Okay? So that when it's tough at first, you don't quit. Ah, forget it. I can't do this. I can't try to think of God all the time. I'm just going to go back to my old life and think of what I want to think about all the time. I, I, it's going to be tough. I promise. That's where you got to keep going back. Going back to it. Keep trying. Keep going into these ideas. The second point, 
you're going to have to do a lot of rejecting. And what that means is you're going to do a lot of rejecting of the world. Okay? Because what it's not as much, you know, trying to get to God at first and trying to think of God as much as it will be trying to keep the world from jumping into your mind and all that you've got to do and all that it's pressuring you to do and all that it's telling you that's important and oh my gosh you've got to you know, find somebody to date and oh my gosh you've got to you know, make sure that you look good tonight and oh my gosh you've got to you know, make sure that you run a big club tomorrow and oh my gosh you've got to and all the stuff of the world is pressing and pressing and pressing you have to do a lot of rejecting of that stuff and saying, that's not what I live for. That's not who I am. And you've got to turn that stuff away from your mind. And then turn and bring the good stuff in. So there's going to be a lot of rejecting. Understand that. We've talked several times, or have done some lessons now, we've talked about the world and how important it is to make sure that we are not people who love the world or know the world in any intimate kind of way. The next line it says, you will score low. This is just a reminder that when you do this game, when you do these practical ideas, another reminder that you're going to score low on these things. Okay? That by nature, okay, you, you, all of us have sin in our lives. All of us have the flesh that we battle. Right? All of us have this thing in us. Okay? That is pressing us, okay, and it is not going to be something that you can just conquer tomorrow. Okay, you're going to score low. You're going to have a difficult time. I just want to remind you to not forget that. It does, though, however, become easier. Okay, here's the promise. Everybody look up and hear this. Okay? I promise it gets easier. I promise from my own experiences, I promise from reading the experiences of others, okay, that it absolutely becomes a habit in your life. You will know joy beyond what you can have ever imagined because you have a habit a habit is something you do by reflex of walking with God thinking of God praying to God thinking wonderful and true thoughts that God brings to your mind you will have a habit the world after you've rejected it enough times did this the world will actually become somewhat repulsive to you you won't even really want to engage in it you'll want to reject it. It won't be something that's like, oh, I'm trying so hard to keep it away. You'll actually get to a point where you'll look at it and be like, ah, why would I used to think about that all the time? Ugh, that's weird. I promise. But you have to persevere. Okay? You have to, if you don't persevere, it'll be a tough life. I promise that it will be a tough life if you don't persevere. If you give in, you don't try if it gets tough and you quit we have to persevere I heard somebody say the other day that in the beginning of our life doing this Christian life we mostly battle apathy and then after we have overcome apathy the time that we give to God in our minds becomes a discipline and then after it becomes a discipline it becomes an obsession 
that that is a sequence of where your life will go if you persevere through those stages. You might feel apathetic now. You might feel numb to it, like not trying, tired, it's hard to reject the world, I feel I can't, I score low all the time when I try to, you know, think of God a lot. But if you stay the course and persevere, it will develop into a discipline in your life. And as you stay the course there, that discipline will become an obsession for you. Okay, breaking koinonia. When you break fellowship, a couple of things that are important to remember. <clears throat> to not walk in the light, for one thing, is the first line is absolute surrender. You have to be absolutely, fully surrendered to God. This is lordship. This is the idea that you are not chasing idols. Okay? You cannot say, um, you know, I follow Jesus and I played, you know, basketball for God, okay, but basketball is your idol, well then, I promise you, you're not playing basketball for God. You're not walking with God. You're you're chasing an idol, okay? If, If money is your thing and you're chasing after money, okay, and it is an idol in your life, okay, and you have not surrendered it, then you are not able to walk in fellowship with God at that time when you're chasing that thing, when that thing is an idol in your life. So, the first point... It breaks fellowship with God if you have idols that you are chasing in your life. Everyone understand what I'm saying? It's important. It doesn't mean you have sin in your life. It doesn't mean that you have struggles. It doesn't mean that you're fighting this battle that I'm talking about. It means, do you have idols? An idol is something that you are purposely going after in your life to give you fulfillment and, and you know you're going after. And it's something you are looking at to fill your life and you continue to chase after it. And you make all kinds of excuses that, well, I, I, I need to have money, I need to be comfortable, I need that girlfriend, I need that, I, I need this. And you chase after it. That's an idol. So the first thing that is important is absolute surrender. The next thing, I got this quote out of a Beth Moore book, and we're just going to read it because I think it will explain it better. But the word in there is a Greek word, called homo logio logio I'm great with Greek words H-O-M-O L-O-G-E-O okay and it basically means confession this is really important that we understand because this is what I'm saying idols are one thing sin is another the temptation to sin is another okay follow along with me I'm going to read read this quote 1 John 1.9 tells us the secrets of sharing a life of fellowshipping with Christ and walking in the light. If we confess our sins, the basic Greek word for confession is homologio, which is derived from two other words. Homu, which means at the same place or time, together. Lego means to say. In essence, confession is agreeing with God about our sins. The portion of the definition that holds the primary key to remaining in koinonia is the expediency of the same place or time. I have confessed and turned from some sins in my life that profoundly interrupted koinonia. Why? Because I waited too long to agree with God about them in turn. I still found forgiveness, but koinonia was broken through the delay. As God began to teach me to walk more victoriously, I learned to often respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit at the same place or time, 
thereby never leaving the circle of fellowship or the path of life. <laughs> you see, some of us think fellowship with God can only be retained during our perfect moments. I want you to see how 1 John 1.8 refutes that philosophy. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You might ask, how can a person sin grievously and still remain in fellowship? Please understand all sin is equal in its demand for grace, but not all sin is equal in its ramifications. A person who commits robbery, adultery, or vicious slander departed koinonia when he or she refused to agree with God over the sin involved in the thought processes leading up to the physical follow-through. Think of koinonia like a circle representing the place of fellowship. We don't just walk in and out of that circle every time a flash of critical thinking bolts through our minds. I don't even think we leave that circle if, if a sudden, greedy, proud, or lustful thought goes through our minds. If we're, if we're koinonia with God, the conviction of the Holy Spirit will come at that place and time and tell us those thoughts or initial reactions aren't suitable for the saints of God. We never depart koinonia if we respond with something like, Yes, Lord, you are absolutely right. That's how I want to think. I do not desire to entertain those kind of destructive thoughts. Forgive me and help me to have thoughts that are honoring to you and not harmful to me. Confession without delay not only help keeps us, helps keep us in koinonia, it is a part of koinonia. It's incredibly important that we embrace the idea or understand that as you walk with God, there will be times where things will come to your mind. You will think a bad thought. You will think a lustful thought. Something will happen. It's what you do at that moment that decides whether you depart from fellowship with God, depart from koinonia, or whether you stay in fellowship with God. The last point that goes along with this is this. It's receive forgiveness. There's a great quote about Brother Lawrence right below that. It says, When he sinned, he confessed it to God. After that, he did not feel guilty about the sin. There was this incredible understanding that as you walk with God and things happen where you break fellowship with God, that you immediately confess and you immediately forget. Okay, this is really important. If I'm walking with God in fellowship with God and because of sin in my life and thoughts in my mind, I break fellowship with God and I begin to run down my own path and I spend the next several hours thinking in sinful thoughts or whatever it might be and I, and I don't even realize I'm doing it and all of a sudden I come back and I realize, oh my gosh, I've been thinking sinful thoughts or I've been thinking this, these crazy things Lord, forgive me, and I've got to come back into fellowship with God. And I remember, Lord, I'm going to remind myself, remember, fellowship with you, I'm walking with you. It's so vital that you not bring your guilt with you into that circle. You enter back into fellowship with God, you walk with God, God forgives you, and you have to let it go. Every, per, every time I read about people who have this great walk with God, like just intimate fellowship with God, it's like guilt over sin is like gone, like gone. Like as soon as they realize they've sinned and they've asked for forgiveness, it's like they're like 
boom, right on with God. And they're walking in fellowship again with Him. I think sometimes we enjoy beating ourselves up over our sin because we don't quick, want to so quickly let it go. Or we think that part of you know, beating ourselves up is I have to like, you know, lament myself before God in some way. So this is the idea that, listen, God forgives you. You need to forgive yourself and let it go and walk in fellowship with God. Okay, last page. The results of pointing you. I'm just going to kind of run through some of these because I, I hope that some of this is obvious, but I hope that a lot of this motivates you to go after walking with God. I've already tried to emphasize how it is incredibly important. The level of importance of us understanding this. Okay? Now understand the results. The results are really, in every sense, everything your very soul longs for. That really is the results. The results are going to be everything you've ever desired. Deep in your heart. You've wanted to be loved, I know. You've wanted to be important. You've wanted significance. Because these are things that everybody wants. I know you've wanted those things. You've looked for them probably in wrong places. If you walk in fellowship with God, you will finally get what you've wanted. And you'll get more than you could have ever imagined it. First thing you'll get is great happiness. The world which came to appear contemptible in his eyes as a result brought happiness in God alone for Brother Lawrence. In 1 John 1, 4, I don't know if you guys have it there in front of you, but I'll read you what it says. It says, and this is where we're talking about fellowship with God. John is saying why he writes this to us. He says, and we are writing these things. John, John, we walk with Jesus and say, I'm writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And the great thing is that word our in the Greek means our or yours. Both. It means his joy is complete in this and your joy will be complete in this. This is why he's telling us this. Isn't this what, I mean, ultimately, I mean, we all have different stories of how we've ended up here. But ultimately, isn't this what you want? Your joy complete. This is it. God has told us how to make our joy complete. It's walking in fellowship with God. Number one is happiness. Number two, you will become hungry for the cross. The ideas and thoughts of the cross will begin to just become more and more and more glorious to you. Number three, there will be an overflow. You will not be able to but help to overflow what God has done and is doing in your life. Number four, you'll have what's called Sabbath rest. And what that means is that you can always have the rest of the Sabbath 
at any point because you are walking in fellowship with God. It's in Hebrews 4. You could be doing the hardest work physically you've ever done in your whole life and yet experiencing the greatest peace and the greatest rest you've ever experienced. It's one of the things I love about worker. I mean, I, Hebrews 4 is one of the verses I bring with me when I'm a worker boss. And I want to say to all the workers, listen, this is something you can experience here. You can work physically hard, but have rest in the spirit while you're doing this. You, this, is, you will, this is great. This is amazing what you will experience here. So in many senses, I want to push the worker to work harder and beyond what they feel like they can do so that they can actually go to God and begin to make Him their resource. They walk with God in fellowship and all of a sudden they have peace and joy and completeness while they're doing this hard work they never dreamed they could have. You can have Sabbath rest walking with God. A continual contentment. There's a great quote about Brother Lawrence under it. He was in no hurry to go on retreats because he found the same God to love and adore in his ordinary work as in the depth of the desert. Think of that. How quick are we to think, oh man, I need another leader weekend. Oh, I need to get away for time because I need to find Jesus. I need to find God. That's not biblical. God's with you. Offering you all the same things now, all the same things where you are today, that he's offering you there at that retreat. He wants to walk with you. Thank God. Number five, you will have overwhelming emotion, causing him to feel the lights and sensations of his divinity that were overwhelming. And then he would cry out to God, Oh, it is too much, oh Lord, it is too much for me. This has undoubtedly been one of the experiences that I've had in my own life. Overwhelmed at time with emotions that I don't know what to do with. How much of your life is being overwhelmed emotionally by what God, who God is with you? How often do you spend crying your eyes out because of who God is with you. Not something hard you're going through. Not something where God's met you in a place where He showed up and healed you. Not anything other than God is with you and loves you. And the truth of that profoundly impacting you, overwhelming you. Overwhelming emotion. Next thing is unity. If everyone's walking in the circle, unity is, it's it's like, there's no choice. Like, it has to happen. If you're not walking in the circle, yeah, there's going to be disunity. There's going to be issues. But if the people you're with, if your whole leader team is walking in the spirit, walking in fellowship, okay, it's going to be very difficult and I would say impossible for you to have a lack of unity on your team. Next thing. You'll become hungry for the Word. You'll see it everywhere. You'll see the Word and the promises of God and the truths everywhere. When you read the Bible, you sing Christian hymns, it says the Bible and Christian hymns seem like different books. They begin to sparkle. 
It's like everywhere you look, you see these incredible truths. Matt talked before about how amazing, how wonderful when I listen to secular songs, how much I love seeing the truths and having them become truths that are promises of God. I mean, I was uh, working out the other day to the song um, Face Down in the Dirt. Face Down, is that what it's called? Face Down? It's about the girl who's being... A guy beats his girlfriend or something. Like, I'm telling you, I was struck as I was listening to that song immediately to the words, I was struck with the idea that that is Satan beating the church, beating the bride. And the, so the words are great. It's like when, the, when the, the lies come out at the end, and it's all said, you're going to get your due, Satan. You've been beating on the church. You've been beating on the bride long enough. You've been hitting her down. Eventually she's going to get up. She's not going to, she's going to realize she's not going to love you anymore. It's just going to be... I mean, you guys get what I'm saying? I mean, it's all over the place. The truths of God. You'll see them everywhere. The last line is adventure. You will have the adventure of a lifetime. Walking in the Spirit with the Spirit of God. Did I tell the David Wilkerson story last a month ago? Okay. There was a guy, okay, great little story, David Wilkerson, okay, pastor in rural Iowa. In the 40s, I did it at Ryle, but I don't know if I did it here. I did it in New York. Yeah, went to New York. Yeah, same guys from the magazine. Great story. Okay. Why did I tell that story? That's interesting. All right. I think you told it five ago. Yeah. All right. I'll finish it quick. Here's the story. David Wilkerson, pastor, grew up in rural Iowa, okay, pastor of a church, never been out of Iowa, pastor of a small church. He gets a Time magazine, this is back in like the 50s, okay, Time magazine, just, and on the cover of Time magazine was this article, this picture of these kids in downtown New York City, okay, and it was about gangs, this new thing, there's a new thing in New York City in the urban centers called gangs, these kids that were forming together. There was this article about it, and he has a magazine in his office and he's on the cover of the magazine okay, with these kids and he just kept feeling the Lord leading him to pray for these, these kids and pray for this inner city gang thing going on and he was compelled and compelled and compelled more and more to be praying for this, these gangs and finally he just kept feeling the Lord or sensing that the Lord was telling him to go to New York City like, he's just thinking, Lord, are you kidding? I've never even been out of Iowa. You want me to drive to New York City? Uh, you know, what am I going to do there with these gangs? I don't know. But he just kept feeling and sensing that the Lord was telling him. So finally, he gets in his car and starts driving to New York City. He's driving, he gets to New York City, he's driving into the, the city, and he's like, hey, Lord, where do you, what do you want me to do? And he senses the Lord saying, take a ride. All right, Lord, take a ride. Keep going. Okay, keep going straight. He senses the Lord telling him, keep going straight. He keeps going straight. Then he senses the Lord saying, okay, take a left here. Take the left. Senses the Lord saying, okay, take another left. And he just kind of says, Lord, okay, wherever you say I'm going to go, I'll just keep driving. I'll, keep, I'll get wherever you want. Whatever. He had no idea where he'd never been anywhere. 
Finally, the Lord says, right here, I want you to come over. I want you to pull over. I want you to get out of the car. All right. Pulls over, gets out of the car. And right there, there are four kids. And he goes up to the kids who are standing there. And it's the kids from the cover of the Time magazine. The exact same kids. And they're like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I think God sent me to you. And he tells them about Jesus. And right there, those kids get down on their knees and pray to Jesus. One of those kids was Nikki Cruz, who goes on to become a guy who starts an incredible inner city ministry. It's an incredible story. That he was walking in fellowship with God. And the adventure of God saying, look, go here. It's Isaiah 30, 21. I probably quoted that verse and then said the whole story or something. Whether you're... Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And it is this amazing experience of walking with the fellowship of God, and all of a sudden God is saying, dude, stop right there. You've got to talk to this person to your right. I know it's weird, but just talk to him. All right, and you do. This is the adventure of walking in the Spirit. (laughs) I'll never forget flying Amy and I 14 years ago, praying, Lord, what do, you, what do you want us to do? We've been discouraged with Young Life. We didn't really want to go on Young Life staff. What do you want us to do? And I was flying in from somewhere, and I'm flying, looking out the window, and I'm flying over northern Kentucky, and the Lord, as clear as day in my head, said, you're going to go to northern Kentucky. I want you to go there. What? Northern Kentucky? Right? That's the other side of the river. They have houses over there. You know, like, well, I knew nothing. Okay? But it was clear. And I went home and talked to Amy. And I was like, Amy, this is where God wants us to go. We need to go. Let's, let's just... I, I'll just start driving down there and talking to people about Young Life. I don't know. And so we did. We had nothing. We didn't know. But it was this prompting, the leading, walking with God, walking in fellowship... And, and this is the adventure that waits for you. You walk with God. Let's read these last two quotes to follow along with me. Brother Lawrence, do not act this way, my brothers. You are young. Profit by the sincere confession I make to you of the little care I took to consecrate my first years to God consecrate all your years to his love for as for me if I had known sooner if anyone had told me the things that I am telling you now I would not have waited so long to love him believe me and count for loss all the time that is not spent in loving God and then a great quote from a book that I'm reading right now about holiness of all things and the idea of just being Discipline, actually. And this is one of the things it says. We must seek to have personal intimacy with the Lord Jesus and to deal with Him as a man deals with a loving friend. We must realize what it is to turn to Him first in every need, to talk to Him about every difficulty, to consult Him about every step, to spread before Him all our sorrows, to get Him to share in all our joys, to do all as in His sight and to go through every day leaning on and looking to Him. 